0: The House of Mysteries. This hotel seems to have quite a history, Mr. Gallagher. Who are you people? A research team with special powers. (gasps) My God. She's experiencing the past because we are all joined by our thoughts. (laughs) Has uncovered an ancient secret. I have something I want to show you. (laughs) Metaphysically speaking, I killed myself. (gasps) But they are playing with an evil force. What would you do with the power? You can't save her, Al they have given life to a deadly power we're all in danger and now a box of little toys i think someone's in the room frank has become a gang of little terrors (laughs) pinhead blade Ms. Leach, Jester, and Tunneler. Irene Miracle, Paul Lamatt, Barbara Crampton, and William Hickey as... The Puppet Master. Welcome
1: to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike MacMassounis. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. It's a good day. It's the afternoon of Saturday. I just played me about five hours of Batman Arkham Origins. Spent some good times. So I know I've been requested to give my thoughts on the game. Well I'll do that on the next episode after I get through it a little bit. You know, Kind of dive in and give my comparisons of what I think of the game so far in video game news compared to Arkham City and Arkham Asylum. But I did do a YouTube video of the Collector's Edition which is totally awesome. So hopefully you check that out. And today's episode is a double header because this episode was voted by you, the STL Nation, which I'm going to have to kill you later because you made me watch Puppet Master. And it's going to be a very short review. So I decided what the hell. Let's throw in Seed of Chucky in there. Because might as well. I watched the whole entire series. I've heard enough uh, hate on this movie. So I figured eh, I might as well give it a shot. And see what I think of it. And I'm going to throw that on there as well. And then uh, the next episode is the final episode. And that's TL Oktoberfest. And that's American Werewolf in London. We started with the werewolf movie and we're going to end with the werewolf movie. So it's been a super fun Oktoberfest this year. Uh, Definitely beat last year. So good times. But let's get into some really quick movie and music news. So a few days ago the Captain America the Winter Soldier trailer premiered and man it was awesome. I totally dig it. There was a lot of really crazy action in this trailer. You know what's funny when I was a kid I was a DC guy and I still am. But I totally wrote off Marvel and I didn't really give a crap about anything Marvel. But as I get older and I see all these awesome Marvel movies it's like wow. You know I gotta give these guys some credit. I never thought in a million years I would ever love Captain America. And that movie was stupendous i loved it so much it was i think it's still my favorite marvel film it's just so good i mean obviously avengers and then comes captain america but i'm excited for the sequel it's cool to see you know scarlett johansson hanging out with captain america it's good times the trailer looks excellent and they give you enough information but leaving you with plenty of unanswered questions that uh, you just look forward to seeing more trailers and finally seeing the movie does a good job of reeling you in making you want to check it out so i'm super pumped for that good times and in regards to the rest of the movie news because i really do want to just keep this episode short sweet and to the point uh the expendables as you know there there was going to be a spin-off the expendables and evidently the talk or rumor is that Meryl, Sh- uh, Meryl Streep, Cameron Diaz, and Mila Jovovich are in talks to be in the movie, which would film in Bulgaria. Very interesting. I I don't like Cameron Diaz, so I'm not sure how I would like this. Of course, I would love me some... Uh, you know, Mila Jolovich, but Meryl Streep, that makes no sense. When was she ever in an action film? It just feels really random to me, you know? It's like what happened to Cynthia Rothrock, you know? The whole purpose of The Expendables is to take old school action heroes that are kind of washed up and bring it back to the big screen, but Meryl Streep isn't washed up, but she was never in an action film. Cameron Diaz, yeah, she's done action movies, but I just really don't care about her. Emila Jovich still makes you know, movies and she's still kicking rear end. So it just seems kind of weird with this casting that they're going with. But I will keep you guys posted as more news comes in and when we get official confirmation of who's signed, who's not signed, so on and so forth. But those are the three people that are currently being uh, rumored to be in this flick and only one of them I care about. All right, now in music news, uh, for those of you who are Chris Daughtry fans, as you know, I'm a huge Daughtry fan, I love this guy. They have a new album that's coming out on November 19th. The name of the album is called Baptized. Now, there's two singles that you can currently get right now on iTunes. The first one is Waiting for Superman, which is the main single that's coming off of this album. It's kind of a slower song. And then there's Long Live Rock and Roll. Now, these... Essentially, this is going to be kind of a different direction for Daughtry. You know, in the past, he's done... I would say his first album was definitely his most hardcore. And then his second Well, I should put it this way. Before he got signed, before he was ever on American Idol, he was in this band called Absent Element. Really hard rocking stuff. I mean, he was actually screaming in that. Then when he got signed on American Idol, did Daughtry... He had some pretty rockin' tunes. Uh, what I want, which was with Slash, was the hardest song that pretty much he did on there. And then his second album, you know, had a lot more ballads in it, and so on and so forth. And the third album was kind of an in between. So I really dug it. This one's kind of going for more of a more pop rockish than before. I mean, it, he was always kind of pop rock, but he's kind of really toning it down. So I'm. This is the one album where I'm kind of skeptical on. How I'm going to feel about it based on what I've heard of Waiting for Superman and Long Live Rock and Roll. Normally when a Daughtry song comes out, I love and adore it. I mean, you know, he made my favorite Batman song. So it's just, I love Chris Daughtry. I always have, but I'm very skeptical for this album. So it comes out November 19th. You can pre-order for $12.99 on iTunes right now. And I'm hoping it's going to be good. Now, of course, Katy Perry's Prism album came out, and it is tearing up the charts. Of course, it's number one. It's the number one album. I have yet to get it. I just got the new Nickelback album and the new uh, Stone Temple Pilots album. Well, I should say song with uh, Chester from Linkin Park on there. The Nickelback CD is really good. The first song is very weak, and the album gets better and better and better. So I would give the overall album of the the new Nickelback album, which the name of that album is Here and Now. And, you know, I'm not a Nickelback hater. You know, it's kind of funny. Usually when a band gets really, really huge, that's when people start to hate on them. Kind of like Creed. Everybody was a big Creed fan. And then once it became like the biggest band in the world, then everybody hated Creed. It's kind of the same thing with Nickelback. You know, they make good songs and everybody gets pissed off about it. That they don't want to admit that they like this band. But I never had any qualms about it. I'm like, yeah, I like Nickelback. They're cool. So, but I definitely say that the Here Now album gets better as it goes on. Uh, it's one of those that build up where every tune gets better and better. So it kind of starts off the first half is a little weak and gets better. Now, as you know, Icon for Hire album just came out last week. That's under the uh, alternative charts in itunes because i was looking under rock i was like okay well how's icon for hire doing like oh well they're skillet they're still kicking rear end i'm like where's icon for hire and then i had to look it up and find out they're listed under alternative so they still have the number six album which isn't bad considering not a lot of people know who they are and as you know i did that uh you know icon for hire top 10 list which is pretty cool it's the third most downloaded podcast for icon for hire which is pretty awesome So good time so in regards to new music um the new Nickelback CD I give that one about uh, I give that one an eight uh we'll do seven and a half seven and a half out of ten for that new album and then of course the new Icon for Hire as you know the debut album I love it's a 10 out of 10 so I gotta go with the solid nine and it's definitely not a sophomore slump because had I heard that album first I mean it, it would be excellent but that one is definitely a nine, and that one is pretty cheap on iTunes as well. So in regards to brand new music, I'm going to check out the Katy Perry album, and I'll, I'll give you a review of that on either the next episode or the first episode of November. I'm going to check that out, and I'll let you know how it is. And I'm very excited for the top 20 singles of 2013. And remember, as long as it was released in 2013, you can use it as a single good time. so that's it guys for movie music news like i said i don't have a lot and this is going to be a short episode so let's roll into the review of puppet master
0: get ready for a surprise <laughs>
1: all right guys so puppet master now the last two movies of the stl october fest was to be voted on by you guys american werewolf in london is the one that won by a landslide and then uh, coming in second place was puppet master Those of you who voted for this movie, why do you like to torture me? You know, one thing you'll notice in the beginning of this episode, I just started off with the trailer. Uh, As you know, I always make a custom, you know, intro for every episode. I hated this movie so much, I didn't even want to waste any time in creating an intro for this movie. I just wanted to play the trailer. That's how much I didn't like this movie. Man, this movie was terrible. Man, and you know... Me, I usually find something good in a piece of crap. That's why people like this show. Because, you know, leave it to Contrary Masunas. He likes everything. He's like, you know, he's like, hey Mikey, he likes it. Whatever that serial guy was. I don't know. Everybody seems to think that I'm always going to find something good in a pile of crap. And it's true. I That's what I try to do. I try to be optimistic. I always try to look for the good. But I can honestly say... This is a movie that I didn't like anything in the movie at all. And this has nothing to do with nostalgia factor because, yes, it's true. I never seen this movie before, and I had an open mind going in, but this movie was so bad. And I don't care of the fact that it was shot poorly or it's on a low budget. I don't give a crap about that stuff. Halloween, low-budget people. You guys know that's my favorite horror movie of all time, okay? But this movie was so bad. And why was it so bad? Because I went in. Uh, by the middle of this movie, I had fallen asleep twice. I didn't care for any character whatsoever in this movie. I didn't even know who the hell I was supposed to care for. Who's the, who's the main good guy in this movie? Who are you supposed to you know be emotionally attached to? I mean, really, I don't understand who I'm supposed to sympathize with in this movie. Am I supposed to, you know, sorry to say, like the bitchy witch, Dana? I mean, she's maybe the only person that had some sort of character, if you even want to call it that. You know, starting off with this movie, I don't even... I was so confused. I have way more questions than I do answers. So, like, in the beginning here, you know, I get that we're in 1939 and we get the... I clearly know that we're getting a puppet's view in the beginning of the movie running around and stuff. But who is this old guy? This guy that blows his brains out? Because the two guys that come in after him, I had no idea who they were. I mean, I had to go to Wikipedia just to find out who these guys were. But the guy blows his brains out and then all of a sudden these people show up. They look at this guy in the casket who was dead. And it's some young guy. I was like, whoa, what is going on? It made no sense to me. So when I looked up in Wikipedia, I find out that – I should say this. I did find out that the old guy was the, I guess, original puppet master. But you don't find that out till like the last 15 minutes of the movie. It's like they give you this beginning scene. And, you know, he takes these puppets and and hides them away, kills himself. And then the puppet with the blade, which I'm assuming that puppet's name is Blade. I was like, how the hell did he get out of the suitcase and how did he get out of the wall? They didn't explain that at all. I was like, I was very, very confused. But I found out that the two guys that came to see him were two Nazi spies. I was like, okay, why are they after him? You know, So, man, this is frustrating. I'm sorry. Okay, so I get that essentially those puppets were out there looking for these guys to kind of warn him. So he packs them all away, puts them in a wall panel, and then they come in and, you know, he kills himself. So, 50 years later in 1989, I do understand that I guess Alex Whittaker is. They're all psychics, these people that we deal with in this movie. We have an Alex, we have a Dana, we have a Frank, we have a Carissa. So,. You know, at first, I, I guess I didn't understand that Neil Gallagher had found Andre's hiding place. And that's why they all got together. And they all have different visions of things going on in this movie. But they meet at this place called the Bodega Bay Inn that Neil resides in. And then his wife, uh, her name is Megan. Um, Alex, I guess, had a vision about her that. Uh, she was getting she had a gun to her head and that he was the one that was going to pull the trigger and stuff so it's just these real weird random scenes like for example in regards to randomness all of a sudden, when we get introduced to two characters that are at this, I guess, a sex clinic, I have no idea what the hell this is. They're trying to read her mind uh, of having a sexual position, and the guy's getting off of it, getting off, and the, his girlfriend doesn't see. what. And I was like, what is this supposed to be about? This makes... No sense to me. I'm like, where is this going in the storyline? But I guess the guy's just a freak because we'll know he has probably the most gruesome death scene in the movie where he's strapped to a bed and he has leeches come. We'll get there in a little bit. But I mean, that was one thing I was like, what the hell is this? This makes no, is this a doctor or something or what? But he's a psychic supposedly. So his psychic ability is supposed to be sex. I don't know i'm very confused i'm sorry you know at like the 30 minute mark when you've seen each psychic have their vision you know dana tells Teresa not to go near the fireplace alex sees neil wearing a mask while dancing with megan in a dining room uh carissa sees neil assaulting a woman in an elevator and then uh pinhead which is one of the living puppets climbs out of neil's casket which this guy's kind of funny. Uh, you know I was like oh well we get introduced to another puppet. But that night at dinner when Dana's making several remarks about Neil that causes Megan to leave the table. At that point I was like who's the main character? Who am I supposed to care about? They're all unlikable. You know I guess Andre is supposed to be our, our main guy we're supposed to care about. I have no emotional attachment to this guy whatsoever. Alex is just whatever. Dana, like I said, she is probably the only person that had some sort of character. She's just a real she's just a crazy witch with a just a terrible personality and you're just like waiting for these people to get off, you know. Uh, and I was just like, why is this guy who's dead just randomly showing up in places? But he doesn't move his face or anything. And what's with the what's with the dead dog that's stuffed? I was like, is this supposed to come alive? And things made no sense to me whatsoever. I'm like, okay, so clearly they're setting stuff up for the ending of this movie. You know, they're gonna do one of those things where we're gonna give you a little bit of story, and then at the end of the movie, we'll reveal it. But here's the difference. I don't give a crap. I mean, at, at this dinner scene, Alex finally gives an insight of uh, people, what their powers are in the group. Like Cariz- uh, Carissa is a uh, psychometrics uh, where she can like touch an object and it gives uh, objects history. Dana can tell fortunes and locate things and people. And Alex himself has premonitions in his dreams and then he wakes And all four of them were helping Neil in his research of um, Ultramary, which essentially is what these these puppets are. It's uh, like an Egyptian method to give life to inanimate uh, figurines, if you will. It passes down... magic to them and all this and that and i'm just like at this point i'm like okay you finally get the reason behind everybody but i'm like why are they all laughing at the table like this they do these really weird long shots like somebody's smoking or they're all laughing and it's just like it makes no sense it's like okay they're laughing but they just keep the shot there Or they do these really weird close-ups of just random stuff that I have no idea what's the purpose behind that. You know, some of the random stuff I'm talking about. They'll just have a long shot of showing the stuffed dog. And you're like, okay, is it going to come alive? What's the purpose behind this? Or that obnoxious laughing at the table. It's like, what's the purpose of showing that? Is there something that we're missing, you know? Now, by far the craziest scene of this movie. And you know me, I always have my favorite scene of the whole entire movie. I don't even have one of those in this movie. But the craziest scene is by far the doll sex. Number one, why is this guy tape recording himself having sex? Oh, I don't know. Because this guy is supposedly set up as a sex fiend or a sex doctor. They don't, again, don't go into it. But this guy gets all freaky and he gets tied up. And then we get the crazy. Uh, you know, the girl gets killed under the bed, which was just like this puppet with like the thing on top of his head. Uh, I mean, the, I, I haven't even talked about the puppets. Oh my gosh. But this thing, this puppet has this, uh, on top of his head, it's like a drill. So he drills her face off and then this puppet gets on top. It's a girl and she vomits out leeches that essentially eat this guy and i was like oh this is the craziest scene in the movie and i was like oh this is just gross you the puppets themselves i mean the only one that i guess i actually like the one that has a small head because he's funny because every time he tries to do something to somebody the screen in the back turns black so he's trying to punch you in the face and the screen's black and then like the girl I can't even remember who the main girl is. That's how much I don't care about these people. But she like throws the doll or a puppet. I got Chucky on their brain I guess. But she throws the puppet in random places. Which is really funny. Uh, but I like the guy with the blade man. Because let's face it. This is Jigsaw. I mean Saw clearly stole the Jigsaw look from this movie. I mean I have no idea why this movie got so many sequels. I really don't you know. Uh, I guess I had to have grown up on this movie to understand it, but I—I I mean, when I saw this guy, I was like, "Yeah, he looks cool." And every time his eyes would pop out, every time he was gonna kill, I was like, "What's the purpose of that? Is that supposed to mean he's like in He-Man mode or something?" But he's got a really cool look with the blade and stuff, but. I just every time I see him I kind of think of jigsaw if you will but the puppets man you, I mean you could clearly see the bad screen which is fine you know I like practical effects I'm not going to you know if this movie had a good characters and and people for me to care about and stuff I wouldn't mind all the these puppet mistakes you know I would have enjoyed it but the thing is I just don't care and that's a bad thing, you know? When I have so many questions and I'm a half hour, forty-five minutes in, I still don't know who I'm supposed to root for, who I'm supposed to care for, it really brings me down, makes me uninterested, it makes me fall asleep. So You know, I know a bunch of you guys are going to get really pissed off of me on this review because, oh, Mike's not talking about the story or Mike's missing this or Mike's missing that. But, you know, I even rewound the parts that I I didn't get or I like, for example, the sound is really hard to hear somebody because either the music is really loud and you got to blast the volume like in the beginning, every time that old guy would talk to the puppets, i was like what are you saying i have no clue i mean it's bad in agents of shield with the australian accents which is you know you can deal with that but this guy he just he was just mumbling he wasn't actually talking you know there's a difference between people talking with just a strong accent which is fine but this guy wasn't even talking so a lot of the times the music would be so loud where i'm just like oh my gosh you know so i try to adjust my tv set you know so on and so forth and it just, like, this guy who has been dead, Neil, you know, when you finally find out that, okay, he's really alive and he's in the control of the puppets and everything, I didn't get why he started bleeding green at the end of the movie. Is he supposed to be the Incredible Hulk or something? I just don't get it. Is he a witch? Is that why he is? I assume he's a witch, I guess. So, all right, let me let me pull up Wikipedia here so I can read the end of this, so that way I can understand because this is really confusing me. So let's see. Alex has a premonition of Megan taking him to Tolan's room when nightmares of Megan having a gun put to her head by Neil and the other psychics being found dead block him from seeing the room, but is eventually woken by Megan who takes him into a room where uh, Andre was in and tells him that Neil found Andre's secret to bringing inanimate objects to life. So Alex has a vision of Neil shooting him and they go downstairs to escape when Neil uh, senses the others in the dining room and find their dead bodies sitting around the table. So they are stopped by the newly recruited Neil. He explains that... Metaphysically speaking, he did commit suicide, but he used Tolland's secrets to give himself eternal life. Okay. Uh, he contacted them all so they wouldn't take the secret from him, and he hoped to use their bodies for future human experiments, the first being Megan's parents, expressing disgust of working with the puppets and violently throws jester at a chair, seeing... This attack on one of their own, the puppets uh, revolt against Neil, Bruley, killing him in front of Alex and Megan. Interesting, okay. So it doesn't really explain the green goo, but you know what, in the last scene we have Alex saying goodbye to Megan, leaving the hotel. So Megan picks up Dana's, you know, stuffed dog, and then the dog completely comes alive and walks up the stairs with megan indicating that she too has learned oh okay see i had no idea what this meant why the dog came to life i was like okay random and then the movie ends but evidently this is indicating that she too has learned holand's method although the film's sequel dispels that she became the next puppet master okay You know what guys first off I want to apologize because I was really really trying to like this movie you know I'm totally fine if you want to throw more questions than answers but make me interested make me care for these characters. When I don't like anybody in the movie, it's hard for me to get enveloped into the story and it's hard for me to care about anything. So I become very confused. Now, yes, I fell asleep twice and I did rewind to the scenes that I fell asleep on, but I was just, I was so bored watching this movie. And I wasn't bored because of like the puppets, you know, I mean, the puppets themselves, I think they're in this movie maybe 12 minutes. It's just if you're not going to give me, you know, the the killer of the movie or whatever, at least give me characters that I enjoy, you know that I have some sympathy for. And don't be confusing me making me think that the old guy in the beginning is supposed to be the young guy because they both committed suicide and you're like, "Wait, who did what?" And uh, who were those two guys that were chasing them? And uh, you're going to explain everybody who's unlikable in the 45-minute mark of the film. By that point, it's too little, too late. And why did the guy turn green? And how does he just randomly show up in places if he's supposed to be dead? And uh, I'm, I'm exhausted. So I give this one one star. I, it's not as bad as Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. I mean, it, it would take... A major, major train wreck to at least be in that category. This movie tried to tell a story as uninteresting as it is. I, you know, nostalgia-wise, I think had I seen this as a little kid, maybe I would have a different feeling. But I can't say enough, guys. I am a character person. You go to watch movies to be involved with the characters. And yes, horror movies have typical cardboard cutout versions of people and stereotypes and this and that but in every horror movie i watch there's at least one or two maybe even three people that i can attach myself to and have some sort of sympathy or empathy for that character but this is the first movie i've ever seen where i had no clue who my main antagonist of the movie was who am i supposed to like who am i not supposed to like oh i'm done so let's move on to the review of curse of chucky who's it from it doesn't say you found him chucky's my
0: friend till the end
1: hey wanna play
0: can't we sleep in with you tonight it's only a storm good night baby sweet dreams
1: Don't forget Chucky.
0: (laughs) It's a doll. What's the worst that can happen, huh? It's time to play.
1: Okay, so for The Curse of Chucky, uh, the reason why I wanted to do this review is because I have heard multiple reviews of this movie and just how people don't like it. And, you know, after spending all week watching uh, Child's Play movies and the Chucky movies and, you know, after seeing Puppet Master, number one, I thought that this review would fit because, you know, dealing with puppets, a.k.a. dolls. I thought it would kind of go along with it because you know I knew the review the review of Puppet Master was gonna be short. And I just had to find out for myself. What if I actually enjoyed it, you know? And just not take the word of everybody else, but find out for yourself. Because sometimes I have a habit of uh not finding things out for myself and just taking things on based on what other people think, you know, and that's kind of what we all do sometimes. So I was like, you know what? I want some completion. I want to find out for myself and see if it's really as bad as people say it is or if I like it or, you know, what's the deal? So Curse of Chucky, as you know, was a direct-to-DVD movie. came out on October 8th. And we have Rad Dourif back as the voice of Chucky now. Um, there's, there's various things that happen in this movie. Uh, really, essentially... The main character of this movie is played by Fiona Dorff, who is Chucky's, you know, Brad Dorff's daughter. She's in a wheelchair. So, instantly, it gives the main um, character, you know, a little bit on Chucky's level. You know, because everybody could really kind of just stomp on Chucky. But this girl, she can't move her legs. So, she's almost, you know, almost the size of Chucky, if you will. So, I kind of liked where they were going with this because... You know, I actually do love Bride of Chucky. I know, haters out there, you're like, blah, you know, all this and that. But you know what? I laugh hysterically watching that movie. I totally get that it's in its own universe. But man, that movie is so, so funny. Me and my wife watch the movie and we crack up laughing. But of course I know it's not part of the child's play movies. It's like in my mind, I consider it it's all its own alternate universe, if you will. But I actually fully love Bride of Chucky. I think it's great, it's phenomenal because I love me some Freddy versus Jason. And the guy that made Freddy versus Jason made Bride of Chucky prior to that. So I think that's one of the reasons why, if you love, you know, Freddy versus Jason, you'll love Bride of Chucky. Now, Seed of Chucky, ugh. I just I don't like it. It's not focused. The jokes were stale. It just wasn't good. So I knew this movie was going to go back to its scary roots, and I was totally cool with that. I was I was interested to see where we we're going. So Watson gave me the first review, told me his thoughts, and he's like, "Yeah, man, all these movies come into play." you know, it it all makes sense, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he gave it three and a half stars. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to check it out. So of course, you know, my boy, uh, Jason over at Flix reviewed it, totally hated it, gave his review, so on and so forth. Jameson did the same thing. A couple other podcasts to listen to. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I loved it. It was great. Other people are like, oh, this movie's terrible. And then there was one podcast that I knew for sure was going to tear it apart and gave it, you know, all these good reviews. I'm like, huh, well, I think it's time for me to check it out. So, I'm going to say this with this movie. Um, there are some problems with it, but I don't hate this movie. So, I'm definitely going to rank the movies how I definitely dig them in the series. But, you know, right off the bat, Chucky, the first half of this movie looks very weird. He doesn't look anything like the good guy doll in the first movie's number one the smile is way off. I don't care about the long hair, that's cool, but the actual face that they gave him is, you know, spoiler alert, it's supposed to cover up his scar. So when we get towards the towards the end of the movie and we get the real face then it looks like Chucky, which I've always loved the version of Chucky with the scars. That's the time, you know, when Bride of Chucky is when he looked the most real and the most believable, just in everything he did, his talking and the walking. It was just, it was excellent. So I was, I was totally cool and understood the fact of they were going to cover him up and give him a kind of a latex face. But the latex face they gave him was just terrible. And then every time he talked, man, he would just like. Hi, I'm Chucky, and he'd be like he was in a Japanese movie, you know, where they're they're saying something or like a kung fu movie, and the guy's voice is completely off with the mouth, you know, because obviously it's subtitles. Yeah, that's how that's how I felt with the first half of Chucky here, man. I was like, what the hell were you guys thinking with this one? You know, I really dig the premise of this movie. You know, our main, um, you know, our main hero of the movie is Nika uh she's been in a wheelchair and they have this story that ties in the first movie and immediately i want to say this i really like this character i thought you know for being in a wheelchair you know she has to have a lot of emotional value in her face and just make me care about her and i really liked her and i actually think she was probably uh, one of the best characters in the whole entire series. She definitely wasn't like that idiot in number three who just kept calling Chucky Charles the whole movie and was just so annoying. I couldn't stand that kid. But she was very likable, man. Uh, she was definitely a, a character that was uh, very sympathetic and was a strong character. You know, you knew that she... Even though she was in a wheelchair, she had a very strong heart and just a strong will, and you, you get that. Later that night, her mother gets killed, and they do a really cool shot of uh, when you see her dead body on the ground because you know she fell off a two story in the ho- two stories in the house. They do, of course, the CGI blood, but it looks really good. They do a really awesome reflection of uh, Nika looking at her mom's dead body, and you're just like, wow, you know. And that's when we get introduced to the rest of her family, her older sister Barb. Who's just a complete douchebag and she brings her husband Ian, her daughter's Alice, and then they have a live in nanny. Uh, her name is uh, Jill. But this is kinda this is kinda there's various little details that they really screw up on. Number one, you know, they play it off like the husband has a crush on the nanny and he goes up to her and asks her how much she makes and it's like, dude, you're paying her. You should know how much you're paying your nanny. Don't be all acting like, Oh, you make more money than me. It's like Either it was supposed to be some stupid, boring conversation or this guy is an idiot and doesn't know how much he's paying this in-house nanny. And later on in the film, uh, the husband puts a camera inside of Chucky. Well, it's like, well, why didn't Chucky ever take that camera out? What was the purpose behind that, you know? It, clearly Chucky knew that a camera was being put inside of his clothes. The dude could have easily taken it out, but he just decided to leave it there. But you know, this is Chucky, he does like the toy and mess with people, so that one really wasn't so bad to deal with. Now we get the table scene, which is pretty cool because one thing this movie tries to do is give you suspense, you know, something that we've been missing in the last two movies. But they kinda I don't this is kind of annoying. They had this really cool thing where they set up this rat poison that Chucky puts into the dinner that uh, Nika made for the family. And they kind of do like a Mortal Kombat thing of where they put the camera far away and you kind of got to keep your eye on it To see who's going to eat what. So clearly if you keep your eye on it. You know who it's going to go to. And that's going to the the reverend uh, that shows up. You know who's going to essentially do the funeral service. And then they blow this scene big time. Because they show everybody eating. Nobody wants to see food going in someone's mouth. And you keep lingering the shot. I get the fact you're trying to say, oh, is this person eating the rat poison? Is this person eating rat poison? It's just stupid because nobody wants to see somebody have food shoved inside their mouth. And it's a pointless, like minute that they spend on this. And I'm just like, come on, seriously, move on. This is stupid. Now they do have a really cool callback to the first movie. They do the thing that I loved where Andy would put Chucky to his ear so Chucky would talk and you just had to use your imagination. They do that uh with the little girl in this movie, which was a pretty cool callback. They kind of take it to a new level. You know, in the first movie, Andy Uh, Would say well Chucky said this and Chucky said that well during the what I like to call the prayer scene where the little girl is saying her prayers and then she goes and tells her mom what Chucky's been telling her about how there's no God and how everybody's gonna die and blah 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 man they take it to a whole new level in that scene. I don't know why, but I just dig it. It's awesome. And then we get Nika, who's doing the research on, uh, you know, Chucky or Charles Lee Ray. She comes across all the different movies in her search. You know, where Unsolved Murder in, you know, Hackensack, And all the places that Chucky has been in all the movies are in this scene. So it definitely is telling you that, hey, this is taking place after the last movie. And it's not necessarily a reboot. Now, the scene where Chucky's face looks the absolute worst is uh, after he says women can't live with them. That There's something about the way his face looks and he starts to laugh. It just looks really, really bad. But, you know, luckily we finally get, you know, the face is peeling off. And, of course, the long hair gives him a little bit of a different look. But it's still his face. At first, when he starts to peel off half of the face, it's like, eh, it still looks a little bit off. But when it finally comes off, it's like, okay. Now we kind of have Chucky full blown. I like the fact that we really don't see Chucky in action for about a good 45 minutes, you know? So they've had a few stumbling blocks here and there. But for the most part, uh, I've definitely been enjoying the main character of the movie. Unlike you know Puppet Master, I actually know who the main character is, and I actually like her. I, you know, I sympathize with her. Everybody else, it and they're okay. You know, they're definitely not the greatest uh, characters in a child's play movie. But you know, so far. Uh, I'm going along with the ride that they're giving me and then we kind of get you know at this point we don't have a lot of people in the house so obviously we can't have a kill every 10 or 15 minutes which is fine you know we start building up the suspense and stuff but uh, the little girl essentially kind of hides away and Chucky uh, starts to kill people you know he has a real vicious scene where he stabs uh, her mom the little girl's mom in the eye and what what was really stupid, though, I mean, it was a really great scene where, you know, Chucky's revealing himself to her and he stabs her in the eye. But how is she able to walk? And, you know, because she's supposed to fall down the stairs while Nika is trying to crawl up the stairs to get to her sister. Because, you know, Nika's trying to explain to her sister about how Chucky is real. But she gets stabbed in the eye and she just miraculously starts to walk and then falls down the stairs. That, again, was kind of a dumb move. It's like, seriously, guys, every time you kind of get going and I'm going along with it, you do something stupid. That kind of takes me out of it a little bit. And, you know, that's one big major scene for sure is that one. Which, of course, the biggest one is the ending, which, you know, I'll talk about in a little bit when we get there. You know, but at this point, Chucky's kind of pulling a Michael Myers. You know, as uh, as she's trying to get away, he's just walking. Of course, the cool thing is with uh, her not being able to feel her legs. They had set up earlier in the film when she got cut; she didn't feel it. You know, so of course, when she gets a gash later on fighting Chucky, you know, she knows it's a big deal. She's got to stop the bleeding. But in a way, Chucky's kind of like, wow, you know, I actually have somebody who's a worthy foe. And they do a really awesome job. Of bringing you back to the first movie because you find the history of uh, Charles Lee Ray and this family and why he wanted to take him out. And essentially, uh, there's some people that think that Charles Lee Ray was a child molester based on two lines that he says during his you know, reveal of who he is and why he's doing it. But I never got that vibe based off of what he's saying. So I'm not quite sure where that's coming from. He just is psycho and he wanted a woman, I guess. I never got the fact that he wanted to sleep with a little girl. But I don't know that's again I've heard various reports from various people on this movie now chances are you've uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie you either don't care about the spoilers or you've heard it and you just didn't care kind of like me so i I like the fact of, you know, this was the first family. Uh, this is the family that caused Chucky to become Chucky, you know because he was in love with uh, Nika's mom and uh, she called the cops on him and he stabbed her when she was pregnant, therefore causing her not to be able to walk. And, uh, therefore they showed the scene, which of course is a bad, uh, Chris Sarandon guy that they got to step in for it. But you know, it kind of brings it full circle. He's like, you know, 26 later, 26 years later, here I am. And then, you know, we get the ending. So let's talk about this. <sighs> Clearly there were three endings to this movie. Now I totally agree with everybody that they were totally stupid and in including all those endings together. It made no damn sense. Pick one ending and go with it. I like the ending that they do here where they have Nika sent away to the mental hospital and she's still like, I'm still alive, you know, what? I love that because she goes away and you think, wow, they're kind of ending this not very happy, but... Uh, From what I've read, uh, the next movie is supposed to take place where Chucky goes after her in the mental hospital, which is kind of a cool concept. You know, it's kind of reminiscent to Halloween, too. You know, so I like that they're setting up for the sequel. And of course, you find out how the box got there originally because uh, Tiffany comes back and slashes the cop's throat. That was going to give uh, Tiffany back the doll. Kind of like in the beginning of Bride of Chucky. And she's like okay who's next. And then the screen goes black. So clearly at this point in the movie. The movie is over. Very cool. You bring back everything from all the other movies. You've set up your sequel. We're good to go. That's awesome. Okay. I'm totally cool with that. And then we get they do something stupid. And they bring in this dumb ending. Where... Uh, Evidently, Alice, who's the little girl, who's living with her grandmother, she comes home from school, and Alice looks for her grandmother, but she finds Chucky instead. And uh, she asks where her grandmother is. Chucky's like, oh, she's in the cellar. So Chucky persuades Alice to play, you know, good old game from uh, number two, Hide the Soul. So the camera pans away as Chucky, you know, transfers. He does the chant that's going to supposedly transfer his soul into... Alice's body. And then the screen cuts to black. Alice's screaming grandmother pops out of the screen with a plastic bag over her head, and boom, another screen goes black. Okay. This is why this is stupid. Now, there's a few podcast reviews I've heard that says, oh, well, this scene doesn't work because Chucky didn't have the amulet. Well, who gives a crap? He didn't have the amulet in the first three movies. The amulet doesn't exist until Bride of Chucky, so he doesn't need no stupid amulet to transfer his soul into somebody else. So, number one, that theory is out the water. You don't need the amulet because he didn't need it in the first three movies. So, get rid of that. Uh it's uh, if chucky wants to be a girl that's fine okay but you had such a good ending here with setting up that he's going to go after in the hospital and now you're going to make chucky be a girl and i guess he's just like you know it's to throw people off and then all of a sudden you get an after credit sequence that has andy from the first movie this should have been you know what they should have done is cut this alice ending and should have did to where uh she's like okay who's next Tiffany says who's next it cuts the black and then Andy gets to knock on the door and there's the box that would have worked perfectly because you would have got Andy back and you had the awesome ending where he had the gun to his head he was ready for him it was so cool but when you throw in this Alice ending it throws everything off and totally is like makes no damn sense like puppet master so with that said Even though I don't like the way Chucky looks for the first half of this movie. Really takes me out of it. Um, And even though we have that stupid ass ending with Alice. And we have the random stupid parts where like the dad doesn't know how much the nanny is. You know kind of some of the stuff I called out. I really like the setup here. I like our main character. Something I had a problem with with Puppet Master. You know. uh, I mean compared to Puppet Master this movie is a gem. But yeah, I have to say I give this one three and a half stars because uh, I definitely I, I really enjoy Nika. I really enjoyed her. Everybody else, you know, they were serviceable. And Chucky, when he does come back towards the end of the movie, he's definitely uh, he's definitely good times. It's good to have him back, and I, I really enjoy how they bring this full circle back to the first one and how they set up the sequel. I'm good with that. Of course, the Alice thing brings it down a half a star. And then the Andy thing makes you think that Chucky's dead. So then it brings it down a little bit more, but it was still cool at the same time. So I'm I'm at three and a half for this one. It's a weak three and a half. Very strong three, weak three and a half. That's kind of where I'm at with this one. Um, in regards to the series, this is kind of how I would rank it. Now, some people are going to get pissed at me on this, which is fine. That's just, you know, I've accepted that fact. I would put Bride Chucky as my top fave. I know yeah, I, I, I shut up. Alright. I, I hear the screaming coming through my headset right now. I don't want to hear it, okay? Because I have so much fun with that movie. But again, it's not really it's not a child's play movie. It's just got the character. So I would say I would watch Bride of Chucky any day, but if I was to go to any of these movies, I would do one, three, two, cursed. And then Seed. So you're like, oh, you would put Bride and Chucky over Child's Play 1? You know, for fun factor-wise and guilty pleasure, hell yes. I'll put that over that. Is Child's Play the better movie? Yes, it is. So there you go. That's how I would rank it. Uh, if I'm going to sit down and watch a marathon, I'll go Bride first, then 1, then 3, then 2, then Cursed, then Seed, and then I'm done. That's how I would do it. So I know a lot of you guys are out there. You're pissed off at me. But hey. What else is new? I piss people off all the time. It's all good in the hood. So with that being said, let's get into the emails and hear what the STL Nation has to say. All right, so we have two emails for Puppet Master. So thanks, guys, for writing in. The first one is Anthony the Epic Emailer. Here's what we had to say: Hello, Ms. and Jameson. Sorry, sir. Jameson couldn't make this episode. Probably would have been more interesting and would have been way longer than my review of Puppet Master. The October episodes in both STL and CCP have been great. Unfortunately, I was unable to send an email for the Chucky episode, but you basically said most of what most of. What I wanted to say about it. And I agree with the rating you gave. I still haven't rewatched the series. Thanks to my Chucky collection. But hope to fix that soon. You know and that's kind of why things changed for me. Uh, in regards to why I kind of changed my mind. And put Bride where I did. And so on and so forth. My ratings are still the same for 1, 2, and 3. You know, but Fun Factor, as you know, is always a big deal for me. But, uh, you know, I definitely, after rewatching the series, because the first time I recorded Child's Play, I'd only just seen Child's Play. I hadn't rewatched the series. So, I am in your boat, sir. Now, here's what he had to say about Puppet Master. Now, on to Puppet Master. I'm glad that you're reviewing this. One reason might be because I originally gave you the suggestion as a movie to be put on the list. So, you, sir, are the reason I had to go through this torture. I honestly am okay with this movie, uh, with uh, what they had to do with the puppets, uh, so to make them look alive, I think they did a good job. The human characters did overact here and there, but again, I can overlook that. Still consider this movie worth checking out if you're a horror fan and want to see something that isn't uh, isn't too recent. Now, uh, I'd rate this movie a weak 3 out of 5. Definitely wasn't a perfect movie, but consider it one of the better movies in the series. Well... If this is a better movie in this series. I definitely don't want to see the rest of it, sir. Uh, when it comes to the series as a whole, I agree that it did decline as it went on. Only get the series if you can find it, find a collection for cheap. So see you later, Ep- Anthony the Epic Emailer. So thank you, sir, for writing in. Always a good time to hear from you, sir. And our final email comes from Time Traveling Peter, who didn't even want to write in, but thank you, sir, for doing so. Greetings, Masunis and the STL Nation. This was my first time watching Puppet Master, and it will be my last. Uh, Though I'm sure it has a big cult following, it just isn't my cup of tea. I looked up the director's other projects and didn't see anything else I knew. The premise and the concept of the movie wasn't terrible. I think with some more money, a better director, and a writer, it could have been a big hit. I don't think so, sir. Some things I like. I like the puppets whose face had three rotating uh, pieces to show his different emotions, which... That's the only time I actually had any reaction was when he had his face go oh. I kind of got a chuckle out of that one. The idea of this Egyptian spell that can bring life to inanimate objects. A lot of the kills were pretty gruesome and I thought the leech puppet was the scariest. Not the scariest, definitely the creepiest I would say. There was definitely a lot of parts that fell flat. They really missed a lot of opportunities to really make some scenes make you jump. Like when they first show Neil sitting in the chair. After last seeing him in the coffin, even though the psychics all got scared when they saw him, I wasn't scared. Neither was I. The one thing I hate about this movie the most was the music. Oftentimes it sounded too much like an amusement park music and I never felt creeped out. Now the thing I really don't like when most of the psychics have their premonitions, they get all weirded out. An example was in the elevator. Thought it was terrifying to see these visions. Um... I imagine psychics see things all the time and the way she acted was like it happened for the first time. I hated the sexy time scene, right? I was it was like watching a weird and bad adult film. The only thing it fulfilled was that they get killed afterwards. Classic horror movie rule, no sex or you die. I didn't like the puppet running around breathing heavily. I understand they're alive, but I couldn't I but I could have done without it. The puppet with the drill for a head, he looked too much like a silly action figure and not a puppet. Overall, I give this movie two stars. Well, you're more generous than I am, sir. I wouldn't watch it again, but there uh, were some good things about it. Unfortunately, I have no review for Cursed to Chucky since I was uh, since it was a last minute addition to this episode. But I, too, have heard some decent things about this one. Until next time, Peter the Time Traveler. So that is it, guys, for all our emails. Thank you so much for writing in uh for this. So, alright, so why don't we go ahead and roll into the music spotlight?
0: Here comes the ready and now here comes the boys from the-
1: All right, guys, so I figured I would do this since uh, most people are probably upset with me on this review, anyways, and are probably going to uh, forget that this ever happened, which I'm totally cool with. I figure I might as well throw in a music spotlight that nobody gives a crap about. Just might as well bring it full circle, right? So, uh, you know, I'm getting, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit tired of this Halloween music theme that I got going on. The first two times were cool, but then I was like, man, I really have to work try to find something but I'm definitely saving the best for last so the next episode American Werewolf in London I promise you is gonna be way better than this one okay I definitely am not gonna show any hate on that movie there's a few things I don't like but I'm definitely not gonna be showing no hate on that movie, but I'm definitely saving the best Halloween music spotlight for that one. And if you can't guess what that is, then you know there's something wrong with you. But this one, I figured I'm gonna pick my boy Vanilla Ice because nobody likes Vanilla Ice. Nobody's gonna like this episode. So there you go. Uh, this song is great. It's called "Born on Halloween." This is the first time that Vanilla Ice and uh, insane Clown Posse ever record a song together that had no swearing in it. It's like a miracle. This song is actually very cool. If you didn't know it was Vanilla Ice, you'd be like, wow, this song's pretty awesome. I love Vanilla Ice. I, you guys know that, but most people in this world hate Vanilla Ice for some reason. But anyways, uh, this song is called Born on Halloween, and Vanilla raps about every single uh, killer in all these horror movies from Michael Myers, Jason, Freddie, It's very cool. And Insane Clown Posse does the singing in the background. They actually sound really good. But normally when these two get together, there's a lot of swearing. But not this time. This is actually a clean track. So hope you dig it. It's called Born on Halloween. And you would think I would save this song for when I release American Werewolf in London on Halloween. But there's a reason why I'm using this song now versus that one later. So that is it for the episode, guys. And again, I'm sorry. I know I sounded like a major downer on this, which is something I try not to ever do. You know, I always try to find the positive and all the crap that's out there, but I... I can't lie, I gotta be honest. I just didn't like Puppet Master. So, and Curse of Chucky wasn't that bad, but it wasn't phenomenal either. So, uh, the next episode's American Wolf in London. I will be recording that on Tuesday, and that will be released on Halloween, October 31st. So, make sure you get your emails in for that at sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com or stlpodcast at gmail.com. And it's gonna be a fun episode and end our fest. And then for November, I'm just gonna throw up a vote. For a few movies to do and it's gonna be fun man that would pretty much be it so I want to thank you guys for joining me on this special double episode and I hope you don't hate me too much and can forgive me and also if you've listened to the recent episode of Flicks, uh, my boy Jason who was so kind enough to come on CCP as you know we Always like to joke around, but uh, I he he told you on TCP that he had a rebuttal to my John Carpenter's Halloween Blu-ray release and he went ahead and he reviewed that on his last episode. And you know, it sounded like he was trashing me a little bit, but that's okay. We're all good in the hood. We always are. But I just want to let everybody know if you heard that and it sounded like damn. Jason's being really hard. I'm like, well, that's just what he. That's what we do, you know. You know, and I'm not a documentary guy, you know, which was his biggest problem. That was the thing that I was like, dude, this documentary is so amazing. I'm not a documentary guy. He, you know, he's a he's a filmmaker, you know, so he knows all of his technical crap, and I have no idea. I like the way that the coloring was. I thought it was kind of a cool, eerie vibe. But you know, clearly when he's talking a, a technical standpoint, it was done very terribly. You know, so I it's very cool. You know, you get my side of the uh, of the review of being positive and glowing, and you get his perspective, which is more of like you know, eh, you can live without it. You know, it's it's a nice balance. But um, I definitely still enjoy the documentary. The only thing I would definitely not agree with is, I do not. F- find jamie lee curtis unlikable at all i thought she went above and beyond you know going out for her fans to stay longer than she did and and i don't know i just i really didn't get the vibe that he was getting with her but it's cool man we all have our own opinions and we all have our different thoughts and that's what makes us all friends because you don't want to be friends with somebody that's exactly like you right i mean this world would be boring so but i still really love that blu-ray it's still amazing i watched it again the other day good times so that's it guys for overall episode i hope you uh don't hate me too much hope you enjoyed some of it and uh, i will catch you guys in the next few days when we go back to the normal missoonist reviews and i won't be trashing on it so you guys have a good one take care missoonist out More on Halloween. More on Halloween.
0: one the- a hell racist born like the Chainsaw Massacre. Hills have eyes in Texas, kids. Stories about what next he did. Doctor slapped him on his ass, his head's gone round like exorcist. Bad enough for quarantine. Mess with him, you're gonna scream. They said he had to shine in. He saw red from an evergreen. Omen since he was a teen. Freddy Krueger on the scene. Slicing up MPs, spitting out lyrical guillotine. Some call him Psycho, the Norman Bates of hip hop. Ladies call him Alfred, cause they're all over his hitchcock. The haters are like, how they follow him with gams. They speak, but then he shut him up like silence of the lambs this ain't the blair witch project It's living in the flesh a b-i-c-e flow aka faces of death with my mask i trick and treat spooks and freaks all over your psychotic it's killing when i'm on the scene just came here to party i was born on halloween i do the unexpected michael myers in your area plug up a mic and wreck it to some ain't nothing scarier causing much hysteria among other mcs the swag is steady testing them i'm causing them to freeze cutting them like jason i stay on the attack like ozzy did when he bit that head off of a bat they start to see illusions buckle under stress scream from confusion, hearts beating in the chest They say the ice is killing us, the cops make no arrest They say nobody's killing us, the ice has got to possessed His music is so dangerous, his flow is homicidal He might be in America, no artificial idol He kills them in the club, you know it's murder for survival Yet yeah, the people give him love like a Halloween revival With my mask I trick and treat, spooks and freaks Cut open, bleeding out spaghetti. Nobody knew about me, and then I lurk up in the gutters. of It's wicked. Every day for me, it's a costume for these others. We don't want your nerdy murders and suckers for ice and find and jade. Born on Halloween, they can't touch us. With my mask, I trick and treat. Spooks and freaks all over your street.